run Rommel's looking like he's got one more good run Zip's a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Everything you need is here under the sun Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. My name is Jeff Fuller. I've been breeding dogs for over 20 years and it is my passion. We love putting best friends in people's homes and selling them that dream. That dream of riding the truck next to you, running around the field on a hunt, or just being a best friend at your house. If you're looking for a high-quality Labrador Retriever puppy, please check our website out as www.soggyacres.com or you can call me at 262-215-9683 or email me sportingdogtv at gmail.com. Remember, whether it's yellow, black, or chocolate, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Here at the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are all about the dogs. As our listeners, we want to thank you all for listening. We want to ask you a favor. Please give us a five-star rating. Give us a thumbs up. Share us with your friends. If you can support us financially, go to Anchor Support and support us there. We are only as strong as our fans and your help that you give us where we are going to spread our love for dogs and dogs in the field. Please share it to your friends and family. Please help us grow. Thank you again so much for listening to us. God bless. Hey, welcome to Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers, and we had a television show on that was nine seasons. For many of those seasons, we had Mech Outdoors as a sponsor, and I became good friends with their marketing guy. His name is Sean Wozniak. Sean and I have hunted several different places, and Sean is going to come on to tell us how to get ourselves ready using one of their products for the upcoming season. Sean, welcome to the show. Jeff, thanks for having me today. Not a problem. So today uh, brought me on to kind of talk about, well, a little bit with clay target machines, but also you were struggling with a shot. And I was. And uh, we want to kind of just walk it was, through. It was, no, it wasn't as specific as a shot when there was a bird out there. It wasn't just that shot. No. It was when the bird was doing a certain thing. I'm not that bad where no. you can say, Jeff, you're struggling with a shot. You know, when that bird is out there and you can actually shoot at him, I've seen you struggle with that. That's probably true, but let's talk about a specific type of <laughs> shot now. So the shot we're going to talk about today is, is, is that hard crosser. And, you know, when, when you don't have much time to react and that bird's screaming right through the decoys and kind of simulating what teal do, uh, we can set up one of the clay target machines and simulate that just to, to practice, to get you ready ahead of season. So when you're in that scenario or situation, you're set up, set up, set up for a success versus uh, missing. <laughs> now, the cool thing is your products, your clay throwers that are at Mech Outdoors, they actually are affordable where if you have enough property, you can own one and you can have it so you can practice. And you're maybe not set up like a gun club, but you can set up for different specific types of shots with how you can manipulate the machine. For sure. I mean, we get the question a lot, especially uh, with sporting clay shooters, competitive shooters. They, they want to be able to recreate something that they struggled in with competition. So 
basically when they're going into the next competition, though, they're, they're set up for success. And with utilizing the, the met clay target machines, there's enough tilt and adjustment into the machine that you can do it's pretty much endless for what you can do to recreate. Um, so when we talk about tilt or adjustments, actually at the base of the machine where it has like a, almost like a handle, correct? Where you can, where you can turn it and it loosens up a bolt and then you can either lean the target, uh, the target thrower one way or the other, or you can lean it back. Correct. So our, our capacity machines are the ones that have the handles on them. Uh, if you had the 100E, it would just be a three quarter inch, uh, basically nut. You're loosening it up and it is a tilt base and you'd be able to tilt the machine uh, either left or right for a cant and then be able to adjust the machine to tip back for elevation. And that gives you some different presentations, one of which you're talking about. Where would you actually set this machine up then if you're going to practice? Would the machine be off to your left or right? Is it out like 20 or 30 yards? How do you have to have it set? It, it, it's anywhere you want to. And kind of what we were talking about with that hard crosser, um, usually your decoys are out 20 yards, if that. And uh, we would probably set the machine out at that distance and put it back off to the either left or right, because we're going to have to practice both, both um, directions. And uh, basically sit like you're sitting in the blind. Um, you'll know when the target's coming because you're going to call pull for it. And just have that target scream across the decoys, probably at 30 yards, and, and try to get in front and, and shoot the target and repeat it. So we've got two machines. Now we can set up crossers, and we can do some crazy stuff like you have where you're, you're shooting at one and then you've got another one that you get to shoot at. At what point do you, I guess, set this stuff up? Do you, what do you suggest? Should someone, like I always tell my kids, I'm like, let's work on straightaway shots first mm -hmm. and let's get so that you're good at those. Um, I still remember, do you remember when we were filming Clayton and we were trying to simulate like a bird coming into the decoys, like cupped and, and, yep. and floating down. Yep. And I, I remember I had to go back in, in the house and get like a case of shells. You did. We, we ran out of shells filming and you had to go get more. Because <laughs> he just couldn't get that. So a lot of it comes down to you want to make sure that you're able to, I guess, graduate to a certain level and get to that point. But also that you're still trying those so that when you take them, you're taking a good ethical shot when you're in the field. No, for sure. Because even when you brought up that scenario, and we were filming for that, that portion of the show. We had the machine set up on the other side of the pond and basically doing an incomer, a high incomer. And it was simulating basically ducks dropping in between the trees and Clayton was struggling. He still does struggle. Uh, he needs more practice. <laughs> but that's something I gotta, I gotta, we're gonna work on this year. We've got less, uh, we've got less work to do on the, uh, on the blinds this year. Cause we, we fixed them up pretty good last year. And uh, I'm, I'm foreseeing that we're going to be doing a lot of practice shooting this year, uh, whether it's, shooting metallic or, or shooting shot shells. It's, it's, it's going to be a, a high volume shoot this year. No, oh, it's good. Good to hear. And, you know, it's, it's the times that we joke in the blind and, you know, if sometimes I miss sometimes, well, a lot of times you miss. Absolutely. So, so being able to recreate well, what just happened and try to practice that in the off season and being able to utilize the, uh, utilize the machines and recreate it just so you're ready for the next fall. Well, and it's cool too, because when you look at recreating stuff, whether it's a crosser or one that's coming in, it's a lot of stuff that you just take for granted that it's, it's an easy shot. And one of the shots I struggle the most on is when the birds are like hanging over the decoys dropping. 
for whatever reason, I'm shooting over them. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not taking into account that they're dropping. So it's, it's nice when you can have those presentations and then realize, yeah, there's a lead when a bird's coming down too. You got to lead under them. Right. The bird's always moving. So you always need to be moving. And that's something I even struggle with as, as a shooter and hunter is sometimes you just point and shoot and you're not even in the, in the area code. You need to be ahead. That bird's always moving. So being able to have that practice ahead of time just kind of gets you mentally prepared for the season. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, it's, it's funny because we're going to talk about a, uh, memorable hunt here, uh, coming up and I'm going to pick the hunt this time. Oh boy. And it, it, it is something that we, we, we did together and filmed in Pierce, South Dakota. Oh. <laughs> and it was, it was unique beyond unique as far as the amount of work we had to put in for the hunt and time we had to put in and the difficulty of it. It was, it was, it was actually one of the slickest hunts I've ever been on. And I remember thinking I probably shouldn't, uh, shouldn't even put it out because I thought people were going to give us crap because of, uh, the location. So stay tuned to listen to that because it, it was, it was a funny story. It was, it was really good, but back to the throwers, if someone wanted to get a thrower for their own property, what is the price range of that? In varying between our hundred E series, which is our small club and, and backyard shooter, you're looking for our 100 E tilt, uh, just a little over two thousand dollars. Plus, if you wanted to look at transporting machine, you'd have to get a T cart, and then we offer different options for release systems. And what I mean by a release system is either a pull cord or a, a wireless transmitter uh, receiver system. Yeah, I think I have cords, and I've got a foot pedal. And then uh, we've got the the where you push push it with your hand too. Mm-hmm. So you actually have them where they're Bluetooth as well. Um, it's the, yeah, it's not Bluetooth, but it is a radio transmitter receiver. So it's basically something similar to the size of your phone for the transmitter. What is the range on that? Um, they are rated up to 200 yards in a clear setting. Oh, that's nice. So you literally can have it set up where if you had yourself or a couple of people and you wanted to all be basically on target to help each other and, and shoot the same shot, you don't have to be anywhere near the, near the thrower. No, no, not at all. Um, so that's just some of the nice capabilities of going wireless. Otherwise with yours, uh, I believe you have hundred foot pull cords. So that limits you to hundred feet away from the machine. So the- for the record, he's never offered me the fancy one, the radio wave. I'm not, remote. A, I'm not a mind reader, Dave. No, no, he's, he just doesn't offer it to me. He, I think it's because Sean likes to see me struggle so that he can have someone that misses more than he does. It is pure enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, hey, stay tuned for the last part of our show where we'll talk to Sean about a memorable hunt. Next, we're going to go into week four of our gun dog training series where we tell you where we're at with the dogs we're working on and what you should work on with your dogs. Well, of all that and the hunt coming up after this. The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. We all know that unexpected accidents can happen. That's why I partner with Trupanion's Breeder Support Program to send all of my puppies home from Soggy Acres Retrievers with an offer for Trupanion coverage. Learn more about Trupanion and sign up for their free Breeder Support Program by visiting trupanion.com breeder. Be sure to tell them that Sporting Dog Adventures sent you. 
I am going to be the first to admit that sometimes kennels are kind of unsightly in the house. My wife for years was telling me how we needed to find something that wasn't just a kennel, but a piece of furniture. She showed me DCT kennels a long time ago, and we finally got with them, and we have partnered with them as a sponsor for Sporting Dog Adventures. DCT Kennels is more than a kennel. It's a piece of furniture. It is high-quality, American-made, and something you need as a focal point in your home. For more information, check out dctkennels.com. You will not be disappointed. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is our training tip portion of the show where we are going to go into what I am doing with our gun dogs. So it is gun dog training week number four. So this week we have gotten the dogs. They're off the table doing the condition retrieve. We are now working with them off lead with their obedience uh, where they are basically through collar conditioning. And we are kind of putting everything together. It's kind of a neat week. I've got my son Clayton who is learning how to train dogs. So he's coming out about three times a week. Uh, the dogs are worked with uh, usually five or six times a week. And I told Clayton, I'm like, this is kind of a fun week. Can you see all of the hard work now coming together? We've gone where we worked on mouth control. We've worked on our obedience. We've gotten the dogs so that they are listening and doing everything you want, which is, it's hard because it's basically all elbow grease stuff where you're working at the dogs. You're trying to keep their spirits up because it's not fun for them because they're getting corrected a lot and you're trying to make sure you give them enough praise. But this week is the week where we start walking with them at heel with a bumper in their mouth now, not just a wooden dowel. And on Wednesday of this week, I actually took them out and I threw bumpers for them. And all but two of the dogs we have released on their name and came back and fit and, and handed uh, the bumper to me, uh, finishing the retrieve to hand. Now we had varying degrees of success not all of the retrieves were perfect and it's not something that i do every day with them we're going to go back to where we're working for the rest of this week and a little bit of next week where we're walking at heel with a bumper and picking up off the ground on command of fetch but it is all coming together where you can see why we are working with the dogs and doing different things so this is the week where you're going to go from where you're holding them uh by their collar trying to get them to take a few steps, telling them hold, 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 to now what I do is I actually keep the uh, leash on them and the pinch collar on them, and I keep some upward pull on the leash just so it is similar to obedience. It's similar to them being on the table. It lets them know they can't drop their head and that they're still under control, and I will walk with them at hold, uh, at, at heel, telling them hold, and this week, all of the dogs are in a position where you can start to relax it to where you don't have any upward pull on it so that they're just walking at heel uh, obediently where they're supposed to, but also holding something in their mouth. And the cool part about this is now is where we start to work on multiple things. Walking and chewing gum, I guess would be a human expression for it, where we're going to work on our obedience. We're going to have something in our mouth and work on our mouth control and do all of these together as we're out there doing our yard work. The other thing that we work on this week is we're starting to throw bumpers for the dogs in our enclosure. So in the enclosure where they normally are, and we're shooting off a 209 primer pistol. So it's starting to work with them on 
noise, uh, introduction, desensitization, however you want to look at it. But what I do when I'm shooting around a dog is I actually have it where the dogs are out and they are in a position where they're excited and they're distracted. They don't hear the shot go off because they're, they're basically trying to get to that bumper. They're trying to retrieve it. They're trying to compete with the other dogs that it's a great thing to start working with them on it. I will then next week start to trim down the number of dogs that are out together to four and then two. And then in sub in subsequent weeks will be where we are shooting with just one dog. But again, use the fact that they are excited so that you have that shot out there. And it's, it's twofold. One, they aren't going to hear the shot as much, but two, they're going to link that shot with something fun, which is retrieving. So we're going to start doing that this week. We're also going to continue working on our hold command, walking at heel on leash. And again, it's not a bad time to have your dog sit, throw a bumper 20 yards, release them, tell them fetch, get them to go on their name, however you can to get them to go, and then encourage them to come back to hand. And that is where, when they're bringing the bumper back, get down on one knee, continue telling them, hold, good dog, hold, good, hold, good, and have them finish to hand. If they do drop, you're going to sit them. You're going to tell them fetch. You're going to nick them with the collar and tell them fetch, and then tell them hold, good dog, have them take a couple of steps, sit them again, and then take the bumper from them. So you're basically putting them in a position where they have, they are starting to understand, okay, this conditioned retrieve is something I always do. And not only when we're in a more formal setting, this is something I do whenever I retrieve something. And you're going to be using your obedience as well that you have them sitting, you're releasing them. Again, why do we release on their name? I know we haven't talked about that. We use fetch, but eventually once we have a dog where we're releasing them to go and retrieve, we release dogs on their name and not on fetch because if you have multiple dogs out at the same time, you will have all of the dogs that will take off on a fetch command. So you're going to release the dog's name. If your dog's name is Tank, it's Tank. And then he goes out. You might have to get them to go and get them excited and be like, Tank, and get them to go so that they understand this is an exciting thing they can go. But you're going to start this work now into the next few weeks where we get that dog that is polished on a hand-thrown retrieve where they're seated. We're going to throw a bumper. We're going to release them on their name and they're going to come back and finish to hand and eventually to heal where they're holding it and offering it to you. I know that's a little bit of a look forward. Again, think of what we're going to work on this week, which is mouth control where we are walking, mouth control where they are uh, not on a rigid uh, line where we're pulling up so that we can relax a little bit and have them so that we're doing obedience at the same time. This is a fun week. This is the week where everything starts to come together and we're transitioning to the point where we're going to start getting ready to work in the field, which the reason I take dogs in when I do in Wisconsin, our ice is going to be out here in the next week. We will have some areas that have flooded water because we live in a marsh where the dogs can go into water, but not into the ponds. And then once we get two to three weeks down from now, the ponds will be warmed up enough where it's safe to have the dogs go in so that when they're in repeatedly, you don't have any health issues like uh, what they call droop tail, which is where their tail actually droops from the cold water or anything else. You can actually get them out there, get your work done, work in your concepts and have them so that they're ready at the end of three months where they're at that gun dog level. So I hope that helps you on this part of the show. Stay tuned for a really cool hunt 
that we talk about with Sean Wozniak of Mech Outdoors coming up after this. For the last 10 years, I've bought all of my vehicles from the Boucher Automotive Group in Janesville. If you want to get a great Ram truck or a great Ford truck, my son actually bought a used Chevy truck from them. They have fair prices, they have a knowledgeable, honest staff, and they really stand behind their products. You can go on their websites, frankbouchercrysler.net or gordyboucherford.com and find out the inventory they have. Again, I know everyone's saying that it's so hard to find a vehicle. We've bought three vehicles this year during a time that, quote unquote, you can't find them. They have what you need, and they're a great company to work with. Check out Boucher. They ride with you every mile. If you're a serious person about the outdoors, or you love shooting, or you just want a great hobby, or all of the above, you need to check out Mech Outdoors. From their shot shell and metallic reloading to their clay target machines, you will get a quality product that will give you so much more enthusiasm about your participation in the outdoors and also a great hobby that you can do with the whole family. Check out mechoutdoors.com for more. Welcome back to the show. We're here again with Sean Wozniak of Mech Outdoors. So Sean, I always have guests on and I ask for a memorable hunt that people have so that yeah, we, can, we can learn about different hunts we've done and get some good stories. And I'm actually picking this hunt. You and I went on a trip to Pierce, South Dakota. I think, wasn't it like February? It was right after SHOT Show. It was the week after. So it was January, late January. Yep, yep. And we went out there, we hunted with uh, the guy that he had been the marketing guy for the state of South Dakota, Justin. And Justin had us out and it was, it was interesting because we were talking about going on a hunt there weren't a lot of birds around the town, but they had what are called town birds. And literally, like, by their granaries and stuff, there were just geese walking around. You could walk right up to them. They were geese, like, walking on the sidewalks and walking all along. And I think, did we try a, water, uh, a goose hunt and then got kind of skunked on it? I think we did. Or we went scouting and didn't see a bird. We, we went scouting, didn't see a bird, and all the birds were sitting in the river or in town. So then Sean... He, uh, Justin had an idea. And what was his idea? Conservation hunt. Conservation hunt. Where was that conservation hunt? In the city limits of Pier, South Dakota. I don't remember what hole we were on. It was a golf course. <laughs> and we're, we're kind of, we're looking at this and I'm like, how is this going to be taken? I mean, the birds were destroying the golf course. So they had permit uh, permit from the city to hunt as long as you hunted in certain areas and there were houses around you had to basically make it so you're safe yep but it was fascinating because this guy had made a business out of having these goose hunts in the off season yeah no, during the summer golf course was open during during the fall and winter he was running hunts off the golf course and he was hunting them like every day yeah so I think it was for the low, low price of like $200 that we call, that we had to pay. I think it was 200 each. Mm -hmm. And we went out there. So now you're picturing, you're like, all right, we've got our hunt. You think of a waterfowl hunt. You think of a Canada goose hunt. We got to have decoys. We got to have blinds. We got to, we got to really prepare. Not on this hunt. No, I think there was a total of 
Either six or eight decoys. Either. And these were high-end decoys. These were like the ones that you would buy like on Craigslist that had no paint on them. Yeah. Then the stakes were a challenge. Yes. It was a, a stick. Yes. You push a <laughs> stick in the ground on these just pitiful decoys. And he actually left them out in the field, but they weren't set out. But he had them in the area that was his blind, which the area that was the blind where he hunted out of was? Cedars. Yeah. Like a big arbivita or cedar yeah. trees yep. in the middle of the golf course, right on one of the greens. And he would just bring his motley crew of six to eight decoys out yep. and push the sticks in the ground. And then you waited and we were right off the Missouri River. And I, I still remember thinking, this isn't going to work. I when, when we walked out that morning and set up and I was just looking around, I'm like, there's no way we're going to be able to shoot anything today. And I'll be darned. We actually hunted it two days in a row. We limited both days and it was fun. You did, you, did, you did not even have to sit down. You stood behind one of the cedars. And when it was the take them command, you just stepped out of the cedars out in the open and shot the birds. Yep. Yep. It was the easiest hunt I've ever been on. I still remember I put it out. And I'm like, gosh, I hope people don't have an issue with this. I mean, the birds got to be controlled. And it was actually, we had more fun comments on that hunt with people where they were like, that was a, that was a cool hunt. The dogs ran well. I, I mean, wasn't very hard for the dogs to do retrieves. There's absolutely zero cover. Right. <laughs> uh, we had a couple of blind retrieves that were, my goodness, that one, that one sailed, it was like 500 yards. And I mean, I think it was in the backyard of someone's house at the, at the golf course where the, where the, where the dog picked, uh, was picket we had along. Yep. Yep. But I still remember I took Lucy along at the time and Lucy had never waterfall hunted. She was my kid's dog, never trained her. And I'm like, Sean, we're going to take Lucy out. So we took, we, we went the first day, we took birds out, we threw a couple of birds and she started plucking the goose. So I said, <laughs> okay, Lucy's not going to hunt today because she had never gone through force fetch and all that stuff. It was just, ah, it was, it'll be a fun hunt. It's, 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 a uh, the expectations were pretty low. It was pretty easy to have a couple of dogs because we could basically take a, a crate out and put it in the cedars yep. and then sit on the crate. So yeah, it was, <laughs> it was interesting. The only thing that disappointed me on the whole hunt though. We did not take a golf cart out to our spot. I, I think there's two things. I think you're you're forgetting one thing on this hunt too. Um, when are your more shining moments? Oh yes, my camera guy let me down. Yes, he did. That was yes, that was very disappointing. I had a camera guy uh, used to tell him you cannot be on your phone, and of course, camera guys didn't listen to me ever. So he was on his phone, and I had three birds come in. And I rattled off three shots, pop, 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 and I dumped each of the birds with a shot. So since it was never caught on film. It never happened. It never happened. But you were there, and you can attest to it on a podcast that I actually shot three big honkers with three shots, and they're all stone dead. Yep, you shot three shots. I even think I took some of the some of the uh, top of the uh, uh, cedars off on the, on the one. Cause it was, it was just above the cedars. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was neat. And I'm like, I still remember. I'm like, you got that right. That was so awesome. We're like celebrating. Oh no, I, I didn't know there were birds. I was so angry, <laughs> but that is the fun of filming. It's not always successes and it's not always successes that you actually capture on camera. Yep. Just good memories. So that is going to be the end of today's show. Sean, if people want to find out more about Mech Outdoors and the throwers that we talked about, where will they go? Uh, www.mechoutdoors.com. Check out their products. They are right here in Wisconsin, in Mayville, Wisconsin, pretty close to uh, our hunting camp. They are a great company. They are, 
they just have a great line of products from shot shells to metallic reloaders to the throwers. It is something every outdoorsman needs to have some of their products in their house. Stay tuned for next week's uh, High Flying Adventures. We're going to have a great show next week, so make sure you listen in. Thank you so much for listening to today's show, and God bless. Sporting Dog Adventures